Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 328. In this episode, you're going to hear from Allison Rockman, M-A-C-Y-T. She's the founder of Embody Life and is a body-centered holistic coach. In this episode, we talk about so much goodness, but just to name a few of the things we talk about, how she recovered from an eating disorder, had a house fire, and also had a near-death experience. So much craziness, but goodness in this episode, so make sure that you tune in. Before we get there, I gotta know, have you signed up for Friday yet? We have coaching call on Friday. You can go to ordinarytobadass.com slash coaching to sign up. It is going to help you accomplish your goals in 2023 and really just take that first step. So often we think that we have to know every step of the way to get to our goals and then it becomes overwhelming and then we take no steps at all. So let me help you get there so that you can walk into 2024 like, oh, I got this and have a little bit of swag in your step. It just takes one little domino. You knock over one domino by taking one step and then it knocks over another one and another one and another one. But we forget the power of the small steps. So join me on Friday if you're ready to take your first step towards your goal, ordinarytobadass.com slash coaching. Can't wait to see you there. And with that, let's get to the episode. Be confident, be bold, be authentic, but don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I am so glad you're here. Today's guest is Allison Rothman. Allison, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? Oh, definitely badass um, <laughs> for many reasons that I'm sure we'll get into as we as we dive in. I love it when people just own it because it doesn't yeah. happen all the time, which it's oh, really, yes. <laughs> um, so Allison, have you always felt like a badass? Mm. You know, um, life has taken me on some interesting journeys and that have really uh, demanded a lot of resilience um, from within. So I would have to say, yes. I mean, I think in midst of some of the challenges, I'd, I can't ever say that I thought I was ordinary, but I, you know, in the struggles, sometimes, you know, naturally I was like, can I do this? Can I get through? But always came out the other side. So enhancing this sense of feeling like a badass. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's what I gotta say. Yeah, I think sometimes that's forgotten about is like the struggles feel really crappy in the moment, but we yeah. forget like coming out on the other side of those things and being okay actually gives you more confidence or makes you feel more badass. Has that been true for you? Absolutely. You know, I always say so I was a single mom for 11 years and um, just before that was on a journey of recovering from um, eating disorder, 25 years of, you know, recovery and um, 
had a house fire near death experience, like crazy shit. And um, I always say each time I would come through one of those moments, I felt more upright in myself, you know, in my truth and who I was stronger, clearer, um, which, you know, is very, um, it enhances how you, you know, your feeling of confidence that, okay, like I did that. I got through that and here I go, here I keep going. So, yeah. So I can't wait to dig in to hear more, <laughs> but first, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm in my later forties, approaching 50 very soon. And, um, as I said, I've been, uh, I have a 14 year old and I've been on my own with, I was on my own with him for over 11 years. Uh, I live in Colorado and, um, you know, those, those 11 plus years of single parenting really, um, shaped so much of me, um, but prior to that, I was already immersed in the world of holistic wellness and embodiment. And so um, through yoga and movement and all different uh, modalities. So, you know, on the personal level, I was, you know, mothering, trying to mother her, sing on my own. And on the professional level, I'm a body-centered holistic empowerment coach is what I call it. And it's um, just an alternative to to traditional therapy, um, very body centered, uh, um, somatically based work that has really been birthed from um, from all these crazy traumas and dramas that I navigated. Um, so you know, I'm that's that's just like a snippet <laughs> along the the journey. Um, I'm now partnered and um, trying to raise a teenager in a really crazy world. Um, so that's that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit about being a single mom for 11 years. What would you tell somebody who's going through that right now and is feeling like it's hard or it's hard to move through or to navigate alone? What would you say to that woman? Um. I mean, so much, just first of all, validating how hard it is, you know, that um, I feel like single moms really get such a bad rap um, as, you know, there's this stigma that there's something wrong, but to me, single moms are like fucking heroes. Am I allowed to curse on your show? For okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in the darkest moments, my kid, um, not only was I single parenting, I was, you know, had, was trying to unfurl myself from a abusive relationship. And my son has always had special needs. So um, it was really, really hard for a lot of years, very dense. But the bond that I have with him is like unbreakable. You know, we are so connected. And so that's like the you know, silver lining, you know, so to speak. But, you know, to me, single parenting is the ultimate spiritual path of growth. Like we, there was a point in my journey that, you know, I just had to get out of my own way, like let go of the story that there was something wrong and just really step in and embrace it. And something shifted in that moment. So, you know, 
everybody's situation is different. I always hesitate to like give like advice to single moms because it's sensitive, you know, and I understand that, you know, all I can speak from is my experience. And, you know, I, you know, was in affordable housing, living, having food stamps, like I didn't have the financial backing and it was hard, but it strengthened me in ways that were like unimaginable. Um, and it is a profound path of growth and healing with our children that I think, you know, I stayed single on purpose for all those years um, because I knew that my son was number one, you know, my son, my career, myself. And I don't regret that, you know, um, I think people try to push that away that they're, you know, being alone, but when you can actually embrace that solitude and lean into the loneliness of it and really like accept the situation for what it is, um, I think there's just incredible medicine and profound wisdom that comes from it. So you mentioned this idea of letting go of the story. How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> um, good question. It's a process. And, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of meditation and I always talk about there was a turning point. I found yoga and meditation when I was an undergrad, but you know, it kind of came and went, I always practiced yoga, but actually sitting in meditation every day um, was gray until my son was about three and I was literally drowning. And I was like, I have to do something drastic here. So I started getting up at five in the morning and sitting before he woke up. And then I would turn right to writing and morning pages. It's just like stream of consciousness. So that alone starts to unravel the story. You start to get perspective because when we live from our heads and allow the storyline to just kind of run it, the show, we, we naturally think that's true, right? Yeah, well, but this is da, 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 whatever it is. But when we can come into center with ourselves and dismantle the story, you notice you're aware, but it becomes a practice of like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay right here and let you do whatever you need to do over here. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So that's just like a, an example. But to me, it's just it's like a journey. It's a process of like not allowing the inner dialogue and the, the constant storyline that runs through most of our heads to run the show. We all have it. You know, we all have that going on. But it's like this, and you know, for me, I'm in the world of embodiment. So it's this embodied sense of what is true and letting go continuously of what is like bullshit. Yes. So for the listener, if you don't know, Morning Pages is like something that came from Julia Cameron and yes. it's just in the morning or when you wake up to write maybe for 30 minutes or just write anything that comes to mind top of your head without filtering it or thinking like, oh, I shouldn't write that or that's stupid. It's just unfiltered writing whatever you want or whatever comes to your head without the worry of somebody else looking at it or somebody else reading it. It's supposed to be just for you. Um, Allison, how has that helped you or changed you? Tremendous, tremendous practice. Um, so you know, there's so much in us that we need the channels to 
to express them without necessarily spewing everything to whoever will listen to us, right? And the morning pages, um, you know, I always say get a crappy spiral notebook from like Walgreens, 99 cents, you know, like, cause you, it doesn't need to be pretty because sometimes you are writing, like you're just like letting it rip. And it's just allowing that stream of consciousness, consciousness to flush all this stuff out of our systems, right? And sometimes, you know, I write a lot, I blog and stuff. So sometimes my content will come through and I'll circle it so that I come back, but I never go back and read it. But there's something very cathartic about, and, you know, Julia Cameron talks about like three pages, three full pages. And, you know, sometimes I, I have nothing to write. I'm like, blah, 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 whatever this is, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just focus on gratitude because like, I, I feel like not, I, there's nothing coming through me. But something very cathartic shifts after those three pages, you know, even if you don't really know what just happened or what you talked about or wrote about, um, it's like this energetic shift that we feel by giving voice to all those like incessant voices that are in our head that really don't need like a platform to be heard, that they just need to get out of us, right? Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. It's like, if I, if they get out of you, like in the morning, you don't have to have that weigh you down for the rest of the day. And exactly. I think we forget how much we're actually, our mind is constantly going over stupid little things that yep. take up space. Exactly. You know, it's like a psychic dump, you know, like our bodies need that. And there's something really powerful about actually sitting in meditation first. And then turning to the morning pages, you're just a little clearer, you know, and it's, um, but if you can't, you know, if you're not in the meditation realm, that's fine, but it's, you know, whatever works for you, but yes, you're right. We don't, sometimes we just are walking through our days and we're like, what just, I don't even, I wasn't even paying attention because I was so caught in my story, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that made me think like, you know, sometimes when you're driving your car, and then all of a sudden you're just caught in these thoughts and then you get somewhere and you're like, how did I even get here? Like you don't remember because you're so deep in thought. Yeah. I mean, which is like scary in and of itself, right? Like not okay, <laughs> but it just brings more consciousness to how we move through our days. You know, I always talk about the importance of morning practice, whatever it is you do, get yourself anchored in the mornings. And that again, looping back to the single mom thing, that was like a game changing moment for me to do. I didn't want to get up. I still do it. And I still don't want to get up, but I do because I know that unless I am anchored in myself in my days, I can't meet what's going on, you know, with my son, with clients, with my partner, whatever it is with the world, you know? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of like you said, I think it's so important to look at different avenues because like just sitting in a chair meditating isn't right for everybody um, or laying down meditating. It's not right for everybody, but I think morning pages can be, have the same like therapeutic effect and Absolutely. different things. Find whatever works for you. Find, you know, whatever your jam. <laughs> exactly. There's no like one formula for anybody, you know, it's, it's finding your track and what, what you're actually going to show up for yourself to do, you know, that doesn't feel like torture, you know? So, um, 
yeah, everybody's on their own journey. And that's the beautiful thing about being human. So, yeah. How did you get into this journey of being a holistic empowerment coach? So um, when I was an undergrad, I started, I, I grew up a dancer. So I was always like, in the body realm, but uh, I developed um, an eating disorder really by the time I was like seven, I was super body conscious and um, went away to college and it just spiraled out of control, trying to like feed more, know how to feed myself on my own. And um, long, you know, fast forward. So I started practicing yoga and set sail in my early twenties to life and absolutely hit rock bottom and, um, ended up checking myself into a residential treatment center for eating disorder recovery. I was about 23 and, um, it was a holistic approach, um, which, you know, I had already been dabbling in a lot, but it really brought everything together. I got, um, you know, the movement therapy, nature therapy, food, herbs, flower essences, energy work, body work, acupuncture. I mean, it sounds like it was like a spa, but it really was. It was like a lot of work. <laughs> Group therapy, you know, one-on-one therapy. Um, so, um, you know, that chanting, I mean, you name it, it was, they really brought all the pieces in. And that really set me on, you know, set in motion this this track of um, approaching healing from a holistic and embodied perspective and recognizing that, you know, prior to that, I was in talk therapy three days a week, trying to like figure out what the hell was going on. You know, it did nothing. You know, it sent me into a treatment center. And so, you know, it was like in that moment, I was like, oh, I, I can't think and talk my way through this. Like this is all in my body and I have to get creative as to how to meet that. So, you know, that was kind of like phase one. And then I ended up, um, I needed community when I left treatment and I went to a holistic bodywork school program. And so I didn't know if I wanted to do bodywork, but I knew I needed like a container. And that kind of gave me a whole other set of tools, you know, I did deep work, like cry every day, touch, being touched, you know, touching, you know, and it was all about healer, heal thyself. And that, you know, just really set me, set sail into this whole other realm of uh, holistic embodiment. And it's just been this process, you know, I, I came back out of that and I was practicing body work. I was teaching yoga. Um, and then I decided to, uh, study dance movement therapy and which turned into, um, integrative health coaching and, um, studied movement-based rites of passage. And it was really, you know, me exploring my own healing process. And I was like, I have to figure this out myself before I can be offering it to others. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I, I actually did an interview a couple of days ago and I, all this emotion came up, you know, they were like, why do you do this work? And, you know, I struggled for so long that if I can help alleviate the suffering of like one person, like that feels like my service to the world. Um, and I have the tools to do it. Um, so 
that's just kind of a, a broad, um, you know, I, many years ago, I founded my business called, and I called it Embody Life, because I, um, I really believe that it is crucial for us to learn how to stay embodied in our lives, no matter what is going on. And, you know, I don't say this lightly because there are a lot of very highly traumatizing things that happen and life is not always easy, but how we can stay centered in ourselves. And I use the example of, um, you know, I came home to my house on fire when my son was six and I was still single mom in it. And it was massive, you know, but I learned how to stay connected to myself and integrate this trauma into, you know, into my everyday existence um, in a way that that felt aligned and embodied. So point being, life happens. How can we stay connected to ourselves? That's like the long and short of it all. And not only connected to ourselves, but connected to our bodies, connected to our truth um, from a very aligned and empowered place. So how do we start to do that? And I say this because, so I work in law enforcement and traditionally, you know, law enforcement shuts off, like you have to shut off your certain feelings or things. So it's something that I've for sure been working on the last five years. Um, but I think that in society today, a lot of people are disconnected from their emotions. Um, and we have so many things like social media to distract us. So how do we start to connect? Well, it's, you know, moment by moment, it's like step by step, like, getting up in the mornings and getting yourself anchored, you know, so that you can start to resource yourself throughout your days, stepping away and, you know, putting your hands on your body and dropping in and checking in, you know, it's like, I'm always like, what little practices can we do in our lives that keep us connected to the whole range of our emotional experiences that don't numb us or distract us, you know? It's difficult, but it's these moments that we can um, start to build new muscles of existing, new muscles of strength and resilience from within that give us the courage, because really it does take courage to stop and not grasp for something to numb whatever it is. And, you know, deep bow to you that you're, you're seeing a lot of stuff that a lot of people aren't, you know, and when you are in that realm of, um, you know, just seeing people's pain and struggles. And, you know, I can't even imagine um, that it's this moment by moment, like, okay, I'm going to take some deep breaths and drop into my body and feel what I need to feel knowing that, yes, obviously you have to show up professionally. And I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to direct this at you, but this is just on the whole, you know, this is like life, right? So, you know, to me, it is creating these tools in your own toolbox that you are, that feel aligned for you, that you are committed to doing, you know, maybe it's when you come home, not you, anybody, you know, um, you don't pour the glass of wine. Instead, you make a cup of tea and you sit on your couch and you just drop in with yourself. Maybe it's you don't reach for your phone and start scrolling um, through Instagram or whatever it is, um, you know, 
at night you, you power things down and you go into light candles and you take a bath and really connect in, you know, it's all these things make a difference. You know, all these things have impact on our ability to continuously show up for life from a vulnerable and real place. What is something that your clients struggle with and what do you tell them or what's the solution you give them? Um, I mean, a lot, I, I have a, a range of clients, you know, some are unwinding from deep, deep trauma, um, which have played out in various ways. I have been, um, really drawing in a lot of clients who are in midlife and who are questioning everything, you know, um, and by midlife, I, I consider it 40 to 55. Um, so to me, I'm constantly reminding clients, you know, I mean, it just depends on the extreme case. Sometimes we are doing some deep unwinding, you know, in the trauma work, because um, sometimes we would get on the table, da, 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 you know, move. But what do you need to do to get yourself anchored in the moment? Because no matter what is going on in your relationships, in your life, in your work, if you're not home with yourself, it's going to be very difficult. So, you know, that's why I'm constantly, and it, I'm kind of repeating myself here a little bit, but constantly like what practices can you commit to doing regularly? Not like, okay, I met, I sat in meditation for two weeks and I'm, it doesn't work for me. You know, no, we have, these things take time, right? So how can you get yourself into your body? What works for you? Is it a hot bath? Is it a walk outside connecting to your breath? Is it cooking, you know, good nourishing grounding foods? Because when we're disconnected, we can't make any informed decisions. I mean, really, you know, somebody's questioning their marriage, which I have a lot of clients who are right now, you know, in the midlife. I'm like, turn it in, go in. You can't go out and get the answers, you know? So Again, it's whatever works for you. And it's going to be different for everybody. Yes, I love what you just said about turning in. You can't go out for the answers because I think yeah. that it's so easy to be like, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Instead yeah. of listening to the only person that has the true answer, which, which is yourself. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, there's a time, I mean, obviously I'm like a professional in this world. So sometimes you do need help, you know, sometimes you do need support to access it. You're too, you know, caught in all the stories and, and the questions, right? So you do need somebody to guide you, to anchor you, but it does not help when we're constantly asking others for further input. It does not serve, you know? So, and that's where the morning pages come in. A lot of information comes through when we write. A lot of information comes through when we turn towards ourselves and don't seek out outward uh, input. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's the, um, it, sometimes you need somebody to help you guide you, like you said, or to navigate. But like yep. you ultimately have the answers within you, but sometimes exactly. you just need help, you know, getting there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yeah. one thing that I love that you said earlier that I wanted to circle back around to was 
when you were struggling with the eating disorder, you weren't just willing to take one answer. Like you mm-hmm. tried many different modalities, many different things. When talk therapy didn't work for you, then you went to something else and then went to something else and then to like acupuncture and tried all these different things. I think oftentimes what we do and what I've done for sure, like you try one thing, you're like, oh, that's good enough. And you leave it there. But actually one per one place might not have all your answers. So I think that's good. What motivated you to keep searching for answers? Well, I wasn't getting better. I wasn't well, you know, if anything, sitting and the talk therapy three times a week was almost making things worse. You know, I was like, I don't, I knew I'm like, I don't want to just keep talking about this shit. Like I have to like get in somehow and get this stuff moving, you know? And so I just knew I'm not, you know, and still it's like, even in what I use to help myself, I'm constantly mixing it up, you know? Yes, I've got my like core practices, my core ways, my core whatever it is that I'm doing. But, um, you know, I believe that we have the power to create, um, you know, this may sound a little woo-woo, but I'm kind of a little woo-woo, like magic in our lives, you know, that we we deserve, it's our birthright to feel whole and to feel integrated and to feel connected. And if we're not, there are ways of working with that to help support. So why not keep searching why not keep growing and healing and get to different levels in ourselves i mean what else are we going to do just kind of succumb to not feeling awesome you know and i'm not saying i am not a good vibes only person at all like i don't buy that at all i think it's a bunch of yes you know but you know this is about working with the cards we've been dealt and we might as well try different things, you know, and connect with different people who have different tools to offer us and um, <clears throat> explore who we are on deeper levels. You know, I feel like that's that's part of being human. And, you know, these times have brought up a lot of opportunity for everybody to do that, you know, constantly uh, for better or worse. So, um, yeah. That was a total tangent. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> so I think sometimes we get this feeling, maybe it's from social media, like life is all gumdrops and lollipops and we don't see the hard stuff on the other side. Can you take us back to when you were in that house fire or your, your house caught on fire and what you were feeling in the moment and kind of how you got through it? Yeah. I mean, I, as I just said, I do not, that stuff does not interest me in the slightest. Like people who are only showing that it's like, oh, my relationship's perfect. My life's perfect. My work's perfect. Everything's good. No, you know, like uh, all about real vulnerability. Um, And I share a lot. I, like I said, I blog and I, I feel like one of my gifts is to really articulate the challenges of the human experience in a way that is relatable. Cause you know, even if you haven't come home to your house on fire, something has jarred you, not you, but everybody, you know? So, um, yeah, my son was six at the time and was 
already, I mean, I was years into the solo parenting, had finally moved into this, um, it was still affordable housing, but it was this, I, I kept calling it beachfront property for a single mom. It was like right up against the foothills, like, you know, these townhomes. Um, I had worked really hard to get us there. We had moved in in September and this was January. And uh, I picked him up from school and we pulled up and um, for some reason I drove all the way. I normally would park in the front, but I went all the way to the back to come in in the kitchen. I got out of the car and the smoke alarm was going off. The fire alarm was going off. And I was like, oh my God. And I like went to open my door and bellows of smoke were coming out. And I, you know, in that moment, it was very hard to even remember what I did. I mean, I was freaking out, obviously. I had neighbors who were home who were not paying. I shared a wall with somebody who did not call the fire department. I mean, this was like beyond my comprehension. Anyhow, um, it turned out, luckily the house did not burn down. A fire lit and went out and smoldered, but I lost you know, 95% of my stuff due to smoke damaged and um I had been doing massage I don't want to you don't need to get all the details of why how this happened but it was a fluke fluke crazy thing but you know in the aftermath really the biggest medicine that I got I had been so alone in my parenting and uh, my son was struggling um and never really felt like I had community and after that this community rallied around me. I mean, within hours, I had people over at my house. I put up, a, that was the one thing that social media did well for me. I put up a post on Facebook, like this happened. If you can come help me, I had to pack all my stuff up and get it out of my house. I was shocked. I was in absolute utter shock. This community rallied. They raised money for us. They helped to, you know, get all this stuff out of the house. And, you know, I cried a lot in those days after. That was the only way I could process, you know, I couldn't sit still. I would go on my mat and I would move my body and I would cry and I would feel the magnitude of it. But it was a, a mix of like shock and trauma as well as like, oh, I'm not alone, you know? I and mean, that was like really literally the first time in six years that I felt like I've got people I can lean into. Um, you know, in the months that followed, everything ended up working out okay. You know, I had a place to stay. They fixed my apartment. We moved back in. But, you know, the, the trauma of driving up to that house, you know, my dryer handle remained, had this, it was melted. And in the years that I lived there, I ended up living in that place for six years. It was just this, this constant reminder Every time I went into the kitchen, you know, I, I, it was this constant reminder of the smoke and then, um, so it was hard, you know, I, I, I had been working so hard to build us up and to create this home. And then in an instant, I, everything was taken away, you know, and, but at the same time, you know, it was this feeling of this polarity of like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not alone in my struggle and I've got these people to, to support. So 
that was that was just um I don't know if I answered your question at all but <laughs> yeah well I think it's powerful because sometimes we don't ask for help when we need it and mm-hmm. it's only an ask away but if we don't ask then people don't know that we actually need the help yeah it brought me out of my isolation you know there was no there were no more masks, you know, like people were showing up. I was a puddle. I was crying. I was totally traumatized. They were holding my son, you know, in this level of care too. And, um, it was a huge lesson for me because I needed help. I always needed help, but in that moment, I really needed it. And, asked, I asked and it happened, you know? So, um, so I think, you know, I, you know, I I trust in the flow of life. I trust that the universe never gives us more than we can handle. And for whatever reason, we were supposed to go through that. And, um, you know, the medicine of that moment in time, like stuck with me, you know, it helped me to strengthen myself even more so that I could keep showing up as a mom and as, you know, in this role of, of healer. So. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been through being a single mom, you've had to, you had your house catch fire and you've also just had been through hardships, eating disorder, those kind of things. What is it you say nowadays? Cause I'm sure through several different hardships, like you begin to learn skills what is it you say to yourself when you're going through hard times? How do you motivate yourself to keep going or to get through those hard times? It's mm, a good question. I mean, the whole this too shall pass, of course, is, you know, kind of cliche. But I just think that at this juncture, there's something deep in me that knows that all is well, that I, you know, even in darker moments and I still have them. I still go get down and, you know, feel like shit for a couple, you know, for a week, you know, I have weeks where I'm like, eh, you know, and now I'm perimenopausal and it's a whole other thing, you know, so the hormones and my body's changing, everything's changing. Um, but I just think there's just like this deep well of strength and faith and trust in, you know, this journey of life and, you know, approaching 50, I, I really try to focus on how precious life is. And even if I'm not feeling great to take care of myself in that moment, you know, because I've learned when we're going through hard times, if we beat ourselves up for going through hard times, it makes it like a gazillion times worse. So why not just melt into that, you know, like take care of your, whatever is coming up for you, like whatever comes up for me, if it's like, not like, doesn't feel awesome. I, I, I take care of myself in that moment. I cook the good food. I get into the bath. I, I rest more, you know, I've just learned that I can't keep pushing against or like, punishing myself for not feeling amazing because it's part of life yeah for sure and I was thinking that even when you talked about the fire it's like it's easy to go one way or it's easy to get into the part like I'm the victim why did this happen to me it's all my fault any of those things and even if you think that at first there's still a way to like try to flip it or even when you have some space like you can have your reaction when it happens you know but then 
just, I think it's to not stay stuck in that. Absolutely. I was just talking about this the other day. I like the whole victim mentality. I just, I can't, I can't get on board with it, you know? Um, and even, you know, I was traveling alone in Mexico on my 43rd birthday, I think. And the cartel opened fire. Like I was like, I thought I was going to die, you know? And like, that was my vacation, you know? And I was like, I definitely over the years have been like, why me? Like, why, you know, but it does not serve, you know, and it, it makes things worse. So I've just learned that if I can focus on what it is I'm supposed to learn from this, you know, what is the medicine here? What do I need to know? You know, what, how do I need to grow myself? It just changes everything because, you know, as you said, when we, um, dwell on, you know, the, the, the victim place, it's just, you know, I just can't, it just doesn't land with me. So, um, and if I have clients who come in who are in that place, I mean, I really do try to stay compassionate, but I'm also like, come on, like, we got to get moving here. You know, this staying stuck in, it's okay to feel down. It's okay to feel sad about what's going on, but also simultaneously, like hold ourselves, you know, up to this place of like, okay, I, this is my life and I'm going to meet it to the best of my ability. So good. So Allison, <laughs> let's end with the tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. Um, believe in yourselves. Trust where you are on your journey. You are exactly where you're supposed to be, you know? And again, it's like coming back to turning towards ourselves with this love and compassion rather than away as though there's something, you know, wrong with us. That um, when we meet ourselves in those places of fighting, that's when we start to heal. That's when we start to grow and rise up into our truth and power. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> and how can we connect with you? So um, I have a website that's um, in the process of being transformed, hopefully sooner rather than later. It's been a process. Um, it is embodymylife.com. Um, I, I offer a bunch of different virtual and in-person circles. I run retreats um, and I work one-on-one -on -one, um, with clients. I also am uh, moderately active on Instagram. Um, that's at embody underscore life. And I do it in my own way. And it's, you know, it's very authentic. And um, so always happy to, and you can always just schedule, um, you know, if you just want to connect, I've got a link on my website to schedule a, a 20 minute clarity call. So that's, that's it. Thank you so much, Allison. I've enjoyed hearing your story and you're a total badass. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to have met you and this has been fun. Yeah, it was great having you on. And you're a badass too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it.
Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.